we have talked about, you know, well, actually we have not talked about this, but we've been meaning to talk about the resonance that's associated with, with sites Gosh, like this. Right. Um, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge component. And I kept asking myself, I was like, where is that other headstone? That other headstone has to, I mean, I can't imagine what it sounds like and what happened when all three of those were there. If there was one, you know, I don't know. Um, but it sure seems like there was one. Hey, Dark Web Theologians, how you guys doing? Guys, we realize sometimes you want to vibe with us, you want to hear what we have to say, you want to hear about our lives and everything, but not everyone is like that. Some of you guys would rather just hear the info. And you know what? Both ways are totally fine. If you would like to hear the info only, we have timestamped this entire podcast. If you would like to jump to a particular spot, you can do that too. However, if you look and you're listening on Spotify, below the podcast itself is actually a transcript that you can actually go and scroll through. So if you guys would just like the info, feel free to hop around wherever you want. If you just want small excerpts or, you know, a small rift or whatever, go and enjoy that. If not, hang around with us. God bless, guys. Sounds like a rather large operation, and we're going to keep this secret. We'll do what the Egyptians did. Bury the architects inside the pyramid. My experts tell me it's a pyramid. Pyramids have survived for thousands of years. Nowhere else are they equaled. See, you, you are wrong about the gods, Suhat. They do answer. Get away from the bend. Remember the pyramid? Don't remind me. Enra. Enra is the eye at the top of the pyramid. I'm talking about the bottom of the pyramid. Well, those at the bottom of the pyramid in this world are kept in total ignorance of what those at the top of the pyramid are achieving. Enra. Where are you on the pyramid? Good evening in this new year. (laughs) Happy New Year, everybody. Theologians, <laughs> howdy guys! It is wonderful to be back with you guys. Shelley and I have had a wonderful hiatus, but we oh, frankly so nice. missed our our. It was a love hate thing. Like it I wanted, was. To be gone, but I also didn't want to be gone. So right um, here we are back again, guys. Um, Shell, how you doing? What's up? What are we th- thinking about? What's going on? I I am good. Um, I can't believe it's been like a whole month since we have done more. this, at least at least in front of a rolling camera. Um, the reality is we didn't lose touch. We talk with each other all the time, so probably because we're friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. May- maybe, perhaps, just perhaps maybe. possibly. Um. I don't know, but of the same old, same old. Abby had yeah. a birthday. It was wonderful. I'm still in love with my grandson. He's great. We're Full taking Abby. him to play in the snow this weekend. <laughs> um, going to noisy. We are going to noisy. Um, <laughs> we're going to go and visit snow because I like living where the snow does not live. Yes. You can go. 
to the snow. That's what I want to do. I might wash my hair in snow. <laughs> if anybody can name in the comments what that song is actually supposed to be, I, I will give you a big, huge shout out. Um, <laughs> you probably have to read off like six people. Okay, seven. All right. Um, I'm so I went one. nowhere over break. Oh, did I went no. to Phoenix. No, did I go to Phoenix? My mom and sister came here you for Avi's birthday. No, I'm like, what the heck did I do? Um, who am I? We did not leave. Yeah, who are you? You're an New phone, who dis? <laughs> New phone, who dis? <laughs> Um, I did not leave the country, unlike somebody named Richard Lee. I did not stay in the country, unlike someone named Shelley Aleman, who has true. a more Hispanic <laughs> last name than I do. I but, um, yeah, well, you guys I have are... a more Hispanic husband than you do. It's, it's true. I don't have a Hispanic husband, or husband at all. That was so... <laughs> Notice I didn't say spouse because we both have Hispanic spouses. Yes. You you definitely wind on the Hispanic husband front. Um, I'm happy to but lose I got that. First. Frankly, um, husbands I, are guys, hard. You don't so, want one. Trust me. No, no, no. I mean, I just don't want a husband at all. So there's that. Um, you <laughs> good? Good. <my> <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're starting off with some levity. <laughs> no, no left feed here, guys. Um, yes, yeah, so you guys will probably very well know that I was out of the country in Mexico City, La Ciudad de México. It is no longer called DFA or DF, uh, Federal District. They only go by uh, Ciudad de México. And I actually learned why. I didn't know why they changed it. But they, they changed Ciudad de México to an actual state. So it actually acquires its own funds and has its own government. And all that stuff, which is actually kind of cool. It didn't really change a whole, whole lot. Um, just that it kind so of like Washington, D.C. Yes, as its own state. Correct. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Is it, it the capital is of Mexico? Mexico City the capital? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I assumed, but I could have been totally wrong. I mean, it could have been, I don't know, yeah. Tijuana for all I know. It <laughs> definitely is not Tijuana. <laughs> capital cities right on the border of you know some other country the border of california <laughs> well i'll leave that one alone um right. that's an interesting area i'm sure hey you know what our buddy holly tell us about it i'm sure you know you have some cool information that you can give us you have a ton of information oh, she somewhere. always does it's true. um but uh yes i was out of the country and this episode is actually has a lot to do with that um, I will be adding in a lot of stuff as we speak, uh, but also I'll probably be putting some stuff in to kind of separate and, and chop up this Cholula episode. Um, which hold on, hold on. I need to do Cholula. an announcement. Oh, go ahead, please, by all means. Boys and girls, back in the days before phones mm -hmm. that resided in your pockets or lived in your hands, as is more accurate, people had these things called cameras i know you think a camera is just an app in your phone but cameras are a real thing and they would go like my grandparents stuff they would go on vacations and they would use the camera and they would take pictures and then they would get them 
and they'd get them on these little slides and then they'd make everybody come over and eat fondue <laughs> and watch their slideshow. So you're talking We're to... going to do that with Ricky today. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. We get to have a good old fashioned slideshow. I thought you were really like in a, like, I was like, is she really explaining cameras to, to our viewers? <laughs> <laughs> knows, like, they're kind of within our age group. I mean, I'm sure that they're probably. No, <laughs> just the whole, because, well, you guys can't see it, but I can see, go away, cat, the slides that Rick has set up already. And I already got to see them because I'm cool. his friend and I'm cool like that. Sweet. And you get some more photos and they're going to see. So there's that. Right. Side. But it just made me think we're having a slideshow. Everybody come over. We're going to set up the projector Every and... and have some fondue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, that is how this episode is going to roll. Uh, we are titling this episode Hunting Quetzalcoatl because that was that is the theme, as a matter of fact. And that really kind of ties it all together, which okay. we will get into shortly but i do want to give some quick announcements guys we um as you will know guys we still have our uh stickers on sale and um everyone seems super excited about it i am but no one else does that's okay stickers are you know really actually cool. look at that i flicked it that was really impressive transhuman sticker we still have to have a transhuman episode which we are Coming up upon, it's almost going to oh, be necessary. man, it'll probably be a series. All the other three are self-titled, but they're just a little bit different. If you guys would like one, hit me up. Um, you can go to our, our store on Facebook. You can go on TikTok. Um, you can go on our solo.to slash the CTDW, which is down right there. Right under me. There it is. Over there. There you go. Um, run into shelter. That's an easier way to do it. Um, so head over there, pick one up, help us out, guys. That would really, really promote us uh, well. And honestly, like you guys are the best promotion for anyone. Like, there's no way, better way to promote our show than you guys proselytizing um, to other people, telling them. And honestly, we're we're learning. Like, I, I have learned that this this podcast is a proselytizing opportunity for me. I can really share the gospel with this thing. And I share the gospel in ways that I probably couldn't otherwise. People are very interested whenever you say that you do a podcast. And then when we talk about what we do, people are like, oh, what? Right. That's even cooler. <laughs> um, guys, I also do want to let you know, please, 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 if you are interested, even if you already are signed up with us and you just want to make it, or you're not signed up with us for that matter, and you just want to make a donation, guys, we have this Bible, uh, this is a smaller version, I believe it's a smaller version, and it actually doesn't have everything in it, um, but it is a, a, what will we call it, an underground Bible, that's what it is in, in Spanish, La Biblia Subterránea. Um, we, by the time this guy drops, um, we will already have released the episode with Miguel, which is, um, he is a metalhead pastor in Mexico City, um, and he really is in all the scene, the goth scene, the the uh, metal scene, the punk scene. He's really in kind of just in in a whole atmosphere. There's a place called El Chopo downtown in Mexico City, um, and that's really like it's become a phenomenon in the past goodness I don't know twenty thirty years, um, where people really just kind of come and and um, uh, sort of just are able to have an exchange, you know, just really 
share a cultural spot together. It's, it's kind of like a punk or a metal market. I mean, that's really what it is. Um, and they have a place there where they share the gospel, I think, like every Saturday, honestly. Like, they're out there every Saturday oh, cool. sharing the gospel with people. And there are, like, full-on conversions, full-on, like, deliverances that happen in the Chopo, like, straight up. So it's legit. Um, guys, if you're interested, please, guys, this is an awesome Bible, and I really want to talk a little bit about it. It's not in this one in particular. Thank you, Miguel. Muchas gracias, Miguel, por darme esta Biblia, este para promocionarte. Thank you, Miguel, for giving me this Bible to be able to help promote you. Um, and, and your ministry, man. It's a, it's a ministry. It's a church, guys. It is a church. Um, in, in this one, I think that's probably why I got away with being able to take this one. It's just a regular Bible. Um, I won't give away all the explanation, but um, in, in the normal Bibles and the, one he, the ones he gives out, inside the very opening here is a bunch of testimonies from metalheads, rockers, uh, punks that have given their life to Christ that are now followers of Christ and give their testimony about their faith, about how they came to, to their faith. It's a really, really cool tool. It's a really awesome evangelizing tool. And they it, people are drawn into it because they, they see it and they're like, what's that? And then a lot of them are like, is that a satanic Bible? And uh, and he always goes, no, man, it's, it's the best Bible around. <laughs> the right? real deal, dude. <laughs> the real deal. Um, and that's actually his catchphrase. So, um, man, yeah, if you guys would like to donate, get a hold of myself or Shelly, either one of us, we can point you in the right direction. Um, even if you don't, you know, you don't follow us, you don't, uh, you're not a subscriber, that's fine. Also, anything you guys subscribe with this month and next month, which is January, February, we, if you're already subscribed, your entire portion that you're giving us is going directly to Miguel uh, and his church for whatever he needs for his ministry, really for these Bibles in, in general. Um, but if you sign up with us, obviously that money is also going to Miguel. You can also, like I said, give, give a, a donation. Um, Shelly and I are giving, um, from our own fund, a uh, hundred bucks to, to send over to him along with January and February's donations, just because, man, I want to share the gospel and weirdly, he does it in such an, a unique way. You guys will absolutely love it. Shell hasn't even had a chance to see the thing yet because it's not translated yet. So. Oh. I mean, um, I've I've seen other interviews with Pastor Miguel, and yeah. it, his heart is for Jesus. Like, oh, it's it's a beautiful thing. His powerful testimony too, man. Which mm -hmm. he, he gets, uh, he, he does, he defends himself pretty well. He does all right in English, but um, I really wanted him to be able to kind of let loose. And so that whole episode is going to be in Spanish with uh, Spanish subtitles, and then we're going to release a an audio version where you can just listen to the back and forth. Um, in English. So um, shout out to my, my brother-in-law, Sam. Thanks for helping me out, buddy. He's, he's the one that's been working on that, guys. Um, so that's why we haven't released oh, wow. that episode yet. Um, it's going to come out first for all of our, you know, behind the paywall um, subscribers so that they can watch it. And it'll, it'll just be subtitled because I, don't, I haven't had a chance to, you know, edit all the stuff. As soon as I get a chance to, though, it'll drop for everybody all at the same time, too. So, yeah. That's a lot. It's, it's very enough. exciting. It's it is, but no. it's important. Yep, yep. So, Absolutely. Uh, I will be including a blurb about that here in this podcast. And you guys may notice a different format. Um, if you're watching this one, um, I'm, I'm working on changing our format up and getting our, our movement a little bit more, a little less rigid, a little more. Um, I don't want to be overproduced, but I also don't want to be underproduced. So there's that too. Um. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Shell, do you want to share anything else that I may have missed? Or just I have a very noisy puppy under my desk, y'all. <laughs> I'm sorry if, if you end up hearing any of it. He is wired for sound right now. And 
he's driving the two big dogs nuts. Big dogs. I think I showed everybody my cute little um, French uh, bull terrier that I got for Christmas. Right? Ooh. I got him. I think I showed him like in yeah. our last episode. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. The alien episode. Go check that out. He's, he's very cute, but um, he's also very noisy right now. Sorry, y'all. If it's not the cat, it's the bird. If it's not the bird, it's the dog. The bird, bird, bird. The bird is the worm. That's okay. what happens when you live in Noah's Ark, also known as my home. There you go. Um, <laughs> well, let's, without further ado, let's go ahead and kick this off. Guys, we are talking about Cholula, which is a um, very fascinating pyramid. I guess really good hot sauce. Some, yeah, it's all right. That's not my favorite, honestly. Um, most gringos like it. That's okay. You know, they got to make their money somehow, right? Hey, uh, rude. Well, I'm sorry, I'm partial to Valentina. I mean, you gotta I mean, it. I also really love my Valentinas. We have so many hot sauces in this house. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, to the point where. Because I work from home. <laughs> I even have some Louisiana here Spot on my head. desk. <laughs> like we, but Rachel. my husband actually takes a, um, Valentina's and um, Tapatio and dehydrates them so that I can put the powder on my um, popcorn when I make Holy popcorn. God. That's oh, cool. So good. Oh, so good. good. The girls at work are always like, where's your tapatina sauce shell tapatina. yeah Actually, like, where's your tapatina sauce you're gonna get me in trouble with my friends well you know i'm not mexican <laughs> i can say that um they wouldn't say cholula they would say cholula it's cholula so oh just like we say shuko shuko town um, so we are talking about Cholula, which is a very fascinating pyramid. It is the largest landmass occupying pyramid in the world. Um, and there's a good reason for that. It's built structure on top of structure on top of structure, like a Russian doll, basically, uh, or dolls, however you want to say that. And it is located about two hours outside of Mexico City, which is where I was staying. Um, which is why these two episodes are centered around Mexico, you might have imagined. Um, I took a vacation and took advantage of my vac vacation since I was already there. Might as well just go do some research. Why the heck not, right? Um, I got some very, very interesting stuff to talk about today. But I guess we'll start kind of with the basics of the pyramid itself, um, because that's probably the most important part. Now, I did find out some interesting stuff here. Uh, so the pyramid is believed, well, I guess we'll start right there, right? So there are three or yeah, basically three basic periods, um, historically that most, uh, historians go with when talking about Latin America, especially Mesoamerica, pre-Hispanic era and post-Hispanic and all that good stuff. Um, excuse me, not post-Hispanic, but pre-Hispanic. Um, and those are lumped into pre-classic, classic and post-classic. Um, which is pre-classic, we're talking about 1500 BC, all the way almost basically up to 300 BC, uh, sorry, up until 300 com uh, AD, Common Era. Um, the classic is um, considered uh, 300 
980 to 950 and then 950 to 1521 which is the incursion and basically fall of the mesoamerican empire basically um which is Rick, i found a really cool um Ooh. isn't that neat so oh, that is hold on cool. these are the different things like the 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 height of the newest um tallest hotel in the world and there's the shards oh, that's freaking cool dude i'm glad um, you found it the pyramids but what i really want to show is right here this is Look cholula east see how Just. wide the base is Go right up to 10, Shell. Go to 10 and look at the difference between the Pyramid of the Sun in Teotihuacan, which is Mexico City. Uh, it's number 10. Am I down at 10? Sorry. I... And then look at the difference between that one and right below it, uh, Cholula. The Cholula. Yeah, it's beast. crazy. It's bigger than all of them base-wise. And Go that's... The Pyramid of the Sun? Yeah, right there. Okay. That was Pyramid of the Sun. So... So if you look at the the very base of that, it's about 100 meters by 100 meters, so it's about 200 meters across. But this kind of middle section on the Great Pyramid of Cholula, that go back down to, to the Great, uh, Great mm -hmm. Pyramid. Yeah, there you go. So that middle section there is what was considered uh, the uh, explanada. What do we call that? Um, the uh, uh, Acropolis. Excuse me, I couldn't think okay. of the word. Um, I think that was one of the original Acropolises, and it's actually larger than the base. That which is right. the, at one point was the top. It's larger than the base of of this pyramid of the sun. It's just kind of mind boggling. Yeah, it was just. I thought that this was a really great. Oh, that's awesome. Um, way to see that. Um, that uh, all of that. Yeah, that's freaking cool. Um, it? It's neat. So okay. uh, there, there's a lot of interesting stuff about this one. This particular um, pyramid. It's kind of forgotten in um, in Mexican, actually Mesoamerican history, but it is it is literally a hidden gem, uh, pun absolutely intended. <laughs> the name Cholula actually has uh, various meanings. One of those is like city of refuge or place of refuge, but it also means covered up hill, uh, covered with like dirt, basically. So it, it's it's really interesting to this day. If it weren't for the mild, well, you know, decent amount of excavation that's been done in the area, you would still think it's a hill. You wouldn't even well, they've know. they've been excavating for over 100 years, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that may be, yes, I think that's accurate. But I think they kind of took more, uh, like got got their, their hands dirty. <laughs> uh, I think it was back in the, well, yeah, back in the 30s. Yeah, goodness. Yeah, it's been 100 years. Holy cow. That's right. That's right. I lost track of time. Look at that. <laughs> that. That happens when you get old. Yeah, it really does. Uh, I mean, 2000 does not seem that far off, but it's pretty far away. It's almost 25 years now. Um, so, yeah, they have been exca excavating exactly just about 100 years now. Um, uh, I had mentioned to you guys that there are some underground passages. That is accurate. A lot of those were created, however, um, for the purpose of, of uncovering the base of the pyramid. Now, um, I do want to mention something about the base of the pyramid itself. I happened upon a um, fellow explorer, I guess we'll call her. Um, 
I might have a video of her. As a matter of fact, we were chatting and she had come to the pyramids six years previously. I didn't even tell you this, Shell. But mm-hmm. she was able to go under underneath and check out all the, the cavernous areas. We weren't able to go because COVID. And then after COVID, they had to do renovations because it was deteriorating underneath. Right. The, the was she just in the tunnels or did she get to go? She got to go to, I think, like one sub-level. And then nice. they couldn't go any deeper because it's 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 highly unstable, actually. It's not even like we don't want to. Right. Isn't like that why they quit excavating is because they just thought everything would collapse? Well, that's exactly right. Because if they think if they go to the base, um, and I'll tell you guys all about the base when I think about that later. Um, actually, what Shelly and I both think. Um, they, they were afraid that all the, the upper levels were going to fall in one on top of the other. And they were not going to be able to do anything with it and lose all sorts of, you know, really valuable history, which is totally valid. Totally, totally valid. So um, excavation stopped and she informed me. She's like, yeah, well, we don't actually know what the base is. I go, what? She goes, yeah, we don't know what it is. I'm like, well, you and I don't know what it is, but archaeologists, I'm sure know what it is. She goes, no, 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 no one knows what it is. (laughs) Um, We know because we have GPR, right? But that's, that's about it. So, um crazy stuff maybe it is a megalith at the bottom or was right at the very very minimum um shelly and i do well you know how we've talked before about man building building one sacred uh place on top of another yes we do um and that i mean honestly that is like the encapsulation of uh cholula Cholula is literally a, a Russian doll pyramid. It's one on top of the other, and and like you were explaining, that's a good point. You know, it's one, it's one like whole strata on top of another. It's not like, oh, we're gonna kind of build upwards. It's like, now nah, we're gonna cover the other one. Now nah, we'll just cover the next one. Now nah, we'll just cover the next one. And those all so have to do with getting bigger and bigger. And those all have to do with you know tribes, um, um, different tribes doing that at different times. And it even seems like it might have to do with that 52 year cycle we were talking about. As a matter of fact, I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, it is aligned at 26 degrees, um, North, which is exactly where the winter solstice falls. And as you may guess, just like in Teotihuacan, which is the, uh, Mexico city pyramid, I'm just going to start calling it Teotihuacan. You can, you know, if you don't know what that is, go look it up. Uh, Teotihuacan is, um, the same way it has uh, a certain alignment so that when the sun hits it at a particular, um, time, and I think it's also at the solstice, it looks like a serpent's body is running down in the form of shadow is running down this pyramid. Same is true here with Cholula, except that it's an actual, like the face of a serpent, which is kind of crazy. Um, geez, what else can we talk about with this bad boy? Um, the, the pyramid itself. Uh, we do have also on top of the pyramid is a ginormous, eh, well, not ginormous comparatively, right? But a very large, um, Catholic church, um, San Pedro, oh, I'm going to forget the name off the top of my head. Uh, the lady of our lady of remedies, our lady of remedy, uh, La Dama de los Remedios, I think is what it's called in Spanish. Um, I may be off, but... Um, Iglesia de Nuestra Señora de los Remedios. Yeah, Sorry, I'm very bad at Espanol. 
<laughs> I'm always butchering it, but well, I did write it down because I thought it was interesting. It is important. It is important. And, and it has to do, I mean, uh, you guys will know that that whole play on remedy is, uh, is a whole thing. And there's probably a history. I'm forgetting about that at the moment, but um, we'll make do. Uh, so having said that, um, I think it's probably important for us to, you know, have the discussion kind of almost outright, uh, you know, and I won't mention it too much, you know, cause I'm going to be editing some stuff in, into this podcast, but, um, spiritual gets built on top of spiritual. If you got a spiritual site, you don't put it, you know, you don't waste it. You, you usually take advantage of it. Um, I would say right now, a lot of sites are hidden and I think that they're intentionally sometimes, uh, hidden and they're not built on so that they don't get used for certain things. Um, and secret societies love to do that kind of crap and build on certain places and not tell anybody that they have any significance. So, but that's uh, that's a different rabbit hole to get down on a different time. Um, so, uh, having said that, let's take a quick look at some of these um, just just this really crazy uh, uh, imagery within the, this Catholic Church there, which is San Pedro something or other. I can't remember. Here you go. It is unbelievably ornate. It's just magnificent. Yeah, it really is impressive. My kiddo was like, there he is right there. He was like, Dad, this is freaking weird. I'm like, it is freaking weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> we build our churches to take care of the people. Yeah. <laughs> Not to radiate this is, immense uh, splendor. My brother-in-law's uh, footage, by the way. Thanks, Sammy. Appreciate you, bro. Um, as you guys can all see, if you, for those of you guys that are just listening, um, it's just gold decked everywhere. Um, gold everywhere. walls, gold ceilings. Yeah, yeah. Gold leaf on the gold. Gold, um, gold, uh, everything. Good Lord, I can't think of the word. It's just, just amazing. Just adornment everywhere. Yeah, and typical, you know, European classic, classical uh, Catholic church. Um, it was Christmas, so they had a Christmas uh, nativity scene. <laughs> so, and then you can, from the image right now, you can see uh, the Virgin, uh, Our Lady of Remedies. That's her up there. Um, for those of you who can see it. So we're just kind of walking through here, and I was just getting some good shots. There's an upstairs shot, and, you know, the Catholic Church. Um, and as we're kind of, you know, watching the end of this footage, I'm just going to kind of talk about it. Uh, the... The, the church itself is was intentionally situated on top of Cholula, um, and funny enough, the uh, the Cortes and then later the Spaniards that came there. Obviously, you guys know that there was the Christianization of of Mexico, just like there is many other places, right? Um, funny enough, the um, uh, they didn't even know that Cholula was a pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea. Uh, so they just built it on top of there and they were like, yeah, we're going to build it on this hill and show these savages who's boss. And the savages were like, cool. Um, you know, we can't do anything about it because you guys have already conquered us, but you didn't find our sacred site, which is actually intentional. What, what their, their intention was with that place. It's kind of crazy. Um, 
so that is kind of what it looks like on the uh, inside there. And then I will be editing here in, in uh, you know, for the, the visual portion. You'll be able to see these images coming up and just as I'm talking and stuff, and you don't have to worry about it right now because I'm, you know, going to add all this good jazz out. So that kind of is the feel <laughs> for um, what we're looking at as far as um, the church itself goes um, and the, the uh, pyramid underneath. So the pyramid is a very kind of complex structure because it was really built upon over shoot, man. I mean, the, the, the Acropolis itself, which is the tippy top or was the tippy top of the pyramid, um, is a mixture of pre and post. It was like just mixed with all the pre-classical time, which again, we're talking before 1500 BC or around 1500 BC, all the way up to, um, good night. I mean, who knows? 13, 1400 AD. Um, so we're talking about like a three year span of different type of blocks. And the reason that they know that these, these were all mixed up is because they, they, some were specifically like materials that were used in pre pre classic and then others were post classic. So they were just mixing all sorts of stuff. And you got to ask yourself like, what in the world were they doing? You know, it's kind of crazy. Um, what was one conquered and then they just started sort of building on top of it. And then, you know, kind of same idea. Um, that certainly seems to be the case. Um, and I guess we can get into at this point, kind of why, um, Cholula was, was one, a reason that I chose it. Um, to be honest, I found out about this pyramid in, um, <laughs> in, uh, watching, um, uh, the Netflix special with Graham Hancock and he actually went to Cholula and talked about it and everything. And I was like, dude, I'm like two hours away from there. Why would I not go? Like, what the heck? So I did. And I went, my brother-in-law, right. my kiddo, um, my kiddo was probably very happy. He was going to go watch some kids movie. And he's like, I'm like 12 dad. I don't want to watch that lame movie. I was like, well, let's go film the pyramids. And he was like, really? <laughs> like, yeah, you can film for me, dude. So he did. Um, so there are some really uh, interesting aspects about this particular spot. It was not a military spot by any means, uh, but it was a mercantile area, highly, highly mercantile and highly, highly religious. Um, there's back and forths about, you know, which was first Cholula or Teotihuacan, you know, um, Teotihuacan obviously is the one that everybody knows in Mexico, you know, about Mexico, that one or Chichen Itza, right? One of those two sets of pyramids. Those are the ones that are mm -hmm. like, oh, I gotta go see them. And those are cool. Don't get me wrong. And they have their significance seas and, and all that stuff. But, um, Teotihuacan, when basically like Cholula became the fallback when Teotihuacan was just, was, you know, annihilated basically, um, by the Spanish. And even when it wasn't the focal point, uh, and this we're talking about later in history, at least that we know of, you know, as, as far as before this pre-classic period. And when I say pre-classic, again, I'm talking about 1500 BC forward. But what I'm particularly interested in is, you know, a lot of these, these ideas or these practices going back to before that, which would be, you know, pre-Columbian. Um, I mean, just like n not even necessarily pre-Hispanic. We're talking about like pre-Columbian before these these uh, Hispanic peoples were there. Um, right. Pre-Hispanic peoples were there, excuse me. Um, so uh, the reason that this was such a, an important spot was because Quetzalcoatl, 
which is really who we're talking about today, kind of moving away from the pyramid itself and kind of why it's so important. Uh, Quetzalcoatl is a serpent slash bird like creature. It sounds like a dragon. It's a feathered frankly. snake, right? It totally, a totally, that's snake. what I've always thought. Bloom totally serpent. Goes with. Um, now, Teotihuacan was, which is the Mexico City Pyramid again. Um, last time I'm going to say it. <laughs> Teotihuacan is really where um, Quetzalcoatl's worship was concentrated for a long time. But the curious thing about Cholula, and most Mexicans don't even really appreciate it. They're just like, oh, that's cool. You know, and they don't think anything of it. And I'm like, uh, you guys have a crazy hidden gem right there in front of you guys. Um, is that it was really kind of the initiation point for America. Obviously, a little later in Mexican history, but people, like, we're talking like Mayans, we're talking like Tlaxcatecas, uh, which were, you know, another tribal group from the area, um, Nahuas, which are basically Mexicas, which are just like, you know, from that kind of general area. Whenever they would want a lord to be established, a as a uh, uh, reigning authority, they would go to Cholula, and they would do a specific ritual for them to be confirmed um, by the priests of Quetzalcoatl there in Cholula. So many times they would be do these massive, like just very lavish pilgrimages, where they would bring huge sacrifices to Quetzalcoatl there in Cholula. They would fast for four days, and then um, I think they would drink a particular uh, substance called pulque. I may be wrong about that. I can't remember if that was part of it or not. I know that pulque is super important for other things. Um, but then they were confirmed, and <laughs> they had a um, they had either their lip or their uh, their ear earlobe or their nose the part the nose pierced. Um, and that was to signify that they were, you know, of higher status now and that they were approved. They had been consecrated. Um, correct. Theocratically. Right. Um, because, you know, in, in a city well, and, and really in Mesoamerica, you know, religion and po politics were hand in hand. It wasn't really like you had a choice. It was it was certainly not like the Western world. Um, and so in, in even part of this procession is once they were confirmed, five priests from Cholula, Quetzalcoatl's priests would go with them back to their village or their town or whatever we're calling it to confirm that indeed they, they had been confirmed and affirmed as a, as a, as a, a legitimate ruler, um, for Quetzalcoatl. Okay. Um, so this held some serious weight, um, some very serious weight. Now we should talk about Quetzalcoatl, not a little bit, a lot of it, because there's a lot here. <laughs> there's um, a lot. There's a lot here. I'm going to try and cover as much as I possibly humanly can to give you guys uh, kind of a scope. When Cholula was a big deal, because when the, the Spanish actually came, they compared Cholula to Rome for the Christians or Mecca for the Muslims. It was a massive site. It was a ho massive holy site for them. And they were kind of blown away because they saw this whole interaction between the priests, between, you know, the confirmations, between the way different. In fact, 
Cholula was a kind of a weird place because it had a bunch of different tribes that were all kind of interacting. And it was, it was kind of a, uh, what would we call it? City of refuge. <laughs> Any biblical, um, ex, uh, ideas coming in there. Yeah, I'm sure there should be. Right. Right. Um, not for the same reasons, I'm sure, but, uh, definitely a city of refuge. And it was actually when a lot of people from Tenochtitlan got their, their whole, city taken over that they that was their fallback and that became the new mecca site but already had huge spiritual uh, significance there now coming into quetzalcoatl here a little bit now quetzalcoatl obviously we know is a plumed serpent right um but there's some very interesting aspects that he has and we're going to start i guess with the i guess the venus connection yeah shell um yeah good place I, th I think that's about the easiest one so quetzalcoatl had different manifestations um which should be throwing up red flares everywhere uh red flags everywhere excuse me flares as well i'm sure that's very bright <laughs> um he was actually called and i'm gonna butcher this because you know my nahuatl is not super great sorry guys Tlahuiscalpan Tecutli. That was pretty good. Okay. Now, Tlahuiscalpan Tecutli. Great as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> actually means, literally broken down means, Tlahuiscali uh, means splendor of the dawn. Pan means place of. And Tecutli means lord. So if you break this down, it literally means the lord of splendor of the dawn. Now. Halel Ben Shakur. It's about to get interesting. Halel Ben Shakur. Um, do you remember, and is that found, is that the Isaiah passage, Shell? Yeah, Isaiah 12. Isaiah 12, okay. Um, Shell and I had to read several. I have read, I don't know how many books on this stinking freaking <laughs> subject at this point. I have read a lot of stuff. I just, there's, there's serpent, there's divine serpent lore everywhere from yeah. genesis to yeah. revelation the the uh vedic texts um I mean, probably pretty much every ancient go. text uh the legend of uh gilgam or the epic of gilgamesh um chinese and and the dragon uh... gosh, it's actually it's even in beowulf if you have hmm. been unfortunate enough to have to read that lovely book a time or two. Don't watch the movie. Trust me. It's, <laughs> so, it's so bad. It's the book is not much easier, especially if you read it in Middle English. It's hard. But <laughs> I mean, it's it. It's all the serpent is everywhere, everywhere. You know, from Genesis three fifteen on. Yeah. Yeah, um, the serpent it, and the seed, and we uh, we uh, shout out to Justin um, from the Prometheus lines that suggested a book to us. Not my favorite book, not gonna lie, but it did have the information I needed, so I'll take it. Um, and I read through the whole thing, kept kept hoping it's gonna get better, it's gonna get better, and I was like, this is not getting better. And it got worse, I think, <laughs> by the end of it. I'm only but, sixty, like sixty-five percent of the way through, and 
you, you I was like, I'm going to skim through and read some more while I'm eating. And I was like, oh, I'm not. I'm going to read The Fallen instead and um, enjoy it, what I'm reading. You can you can check it out for yourself or you can just take my word for it. Um, really, what I gleaned from it um, was enough. And I could have probably stopped reading after like the first two or three chapters. Uh, it was called Deconstructing Lucifer. Uh, but nonetheless, um, lots of good information there. Um, the there's a huge connection to to what we will what we commonly call and Shell and I have talked at great length about this um, as far as linguistics goes and as far as etymology and um, just being precise with words. Shelley and I disclaimer huge disclaimer here, guys. We are not super convinced that there is a Satan, like a single Satan. Right. Um, Satan is a, just like Lucifer, is a catch-all phrase. Um, and literally, Halal Ben Shakur is where we get Lucifer from. It's, you know, the, the bringer yeah, of the dawn. He, right. The, um, the Latinization of correct. the name. Correct. Instead of son of the morning or bringer of the morning, which is what Hillel Ben Shakur is. Uh, by the way, I said Isaiah 12, and I'm sorry, it's Isaiah 14, starting 14. at verse 12. As soon as you said 12, I was like, I think it's 14. But like right yeah. now, you said 12. I was like, I think it's 14. Um, so there, the, the, this book, really what I want to get to the heart of is uh, Lucifer. Yes, like Shell says, is the light bearer, right? That's what it really comes down to. But the ancients, um, and particularly, we're relying here on the Greeks and the uh, the Septuagint, okay? And if you don't want to know what the Septuagint is, um, just break it down super quick for you. It was a translation that was commissioned by, oof, I'm going to forget off the top of my head who it was commissioned by, um, but was commissioned by a high-ranking official in um, Roman... Do you remember, Shell? You know who I'm talking about? No, I think it's actually maybe before that, but Septuagint means a 70. Yes, because and they were they, they, Yeah, the, and, and uh, they all worked independently and came up with the exact freaking Exactly the same. So yeah. um, the, the important thing here is how was Halal Ben Shakur translated? And it was translated as there's two different there's two types of translations that they they in theory could have used okay um, one was heosporos or heosforos I'm not sure how to say it because it's Greek I don't really know um, and the other one is hesperos um, oh hey look at that I can see the Spanish in that or the Latin that's interesting <laughs> um, so uh, heosporos means the morning star and hesperos means the evening star okay which is interesting because um, for for evening in Spanish we say vespertino or vesperos, right? Which means the evening, and it sounds a lot like hesperos, vespertino, vespertino. Well, yeah. and vespers is what it is in in Latin. Oh, That's okay. why there are the vesters, vespers, the the evening prayers, right? right. Oh, right on. Okay, okay. Oraciones vespertinas. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, fair enough. Evening prayers. Sorry, just talking in Spanish, guys. Forgive me. This is a very Spanish-heavy subject for me, and Nahuatl-heavy subject, so I'm saying everything in Spanish. Um, but the the Septuagint translators went with the option of Heosforos, which is morning star. Okay, now this is significant, and I want to break this down real quick because it, it, it is very interesting. 
there are only two other places besides Isaiah 14 where this word Hallel appears. And it's kind of a, a, you know, kind of flip of the coin on how how this was translated. Well, not how it was translated. Sorry, that's a bad way to say it. A flip of the coin on how the decision was made for, for Hallel being light versus a different word. And the other potential translation. Shining. Right, shining. But the other potential translation is howl or howling. Yeah, um, howler. So, yeah, exactly. But they, they, I mean, 70 different people independently working from each other to come up and still say light bearer, you know, or son of the morning. To me, that is pretty clear. So why are we going over all these fancy schmancy etymological fun breakdowns? Well, there's a very good reason because the Hesphoros actually refers to Venus, the planet Venus. Venus is the shining star that appears before the dawn. So it, it appears to pull the sun out in the morning to pull it out. And the Hesperos is the one that follows right at the, the sunset that comes down afterward. Well, these guys decided to go with Hesperos. And, and if they went with Hesperos, then I'm going to say that Halal ben Shakur probably means son of the morning. Um, even though many, many, many church fathers said that Howell was actually probably the better translation. Um, but almost nobody went with that, which I think is very well, interesting. Well, and be, because the other um, place that it's mentioned in the word is in Job, when all the morning right. stars sang together. At the joy of of God's creation, so um, I think that going off of the uh, good, good, good hermeneutics, hermeneutics, gird, gird hermeneutics, gird hermeneutics, gird. <laughs> um, Hear me, gird. <laughs> you you want the Bible to define itself? Yeah, you sure do. That's exactly right. Um, and and so that's what you do. You look for where else is this used? How is it used? How it can, you know, just like you did in second grade when your teacher gave you your your spelling slash vocabulary words and made you figure it out um, from from its use. Yeah. Um, same same premise the the bible defines itself and when you start going and letting outside sources define the bible well that's how you get to american christianity <laughs> or 21st century uh, western christianity yeah yeah um so let's see here where do I want to go with this from uh, from a Quetzalcoatl perspective? Oh yes. So <laughs> um, I had a fun time looking up um, some very interesting things. Uh, oh, one thing I did want to mention: the reason, another reason, Cholula was just to give you guys an idea of the scope of Cholula's influence. Um, 
and why Quetzalcoatl worship was so large here. Like obviously Quetzalcoatl was a was a prime feature, was a prime time individual that had to do with all this bad boy. Um, and was really because it was I mean, that's what Cholula was. Cholula was a Quetzalcoatl worshiping site. That's precisely what it was. Um, that was where all there was obviously other patron gods and stuff like that. But Cholula itself was for worship for Quetzalcoatl. Um, now, to give you guys a, a notion of this. So if you're going like, I guess, from where I'm at in Austin, I drive from here to Mexico City is about 20 hours. So it's like about as far as going to Florida for me, um, which is freaking far. But to give you an idea, so you drive maybe even what another hour and a half or so to Cholula. So it's about 21 hours or so. But Cholula had influence, obviously, all the way up, super up north, right? Because, you know, there's lots, lots of Mesoamericans there. But also, it went as far down as, to reach as El Salvador, which is crazy far, crazy, crazy far. So there was some serious worship of this deity. Now, coming back to this, because Venus, Venus was seen as um, Quetzalcoatl, which is another iteration of this individual, um, it was Quetzalcoatl and Xolotl, okay? Xolotl, what am I getting at? Xolotl and Quetzalcoatl in ancient Mesoamerican lore, um, or in pre-Hispanic lore, I should say, uh, was a different iteration of the same deity, okay? Now, this is where it gets interesting, because although Quetzalcoatl is associated with the Morning Star, which we very well know as Helel ben Shakur, which is traditionally what we refer to as Satan, right? Or, you know, the enemy. We'll just keep it the, the accuser. It's easy enough. Um, okay. Although Shelly and I, again, believe that there are many accusers and that's kind of a, that's, you know, like a $5 word. You can just kind of throw it out anywhere yeah. you want. Um, we don't treat it that way in American culture, but that's really, you know, that's the, that's the original context. Um, Quetzalcoatl was the one that showed up in the dawn, but the one that showed up in the evening was his twin brother, Xolotl. Xolotl, sorry. Um, now, here's where it gets interesting, guys. In the um, lore here, I don't know if we're going to call it lore, maybe we just call it a myth, frankly. I mean, um, those are synonyms. Well, I... I feel like myth means something different to people now than it actually means. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Uh, it, I do know what you mean, but um, really, a myth, a, a myth and lore are pretty much the same thing. They're both stories that may or may not have. Um, well, I guess that's fair. Yeah, substance fair. to them. Historicity. Yes. Yes. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is like whether or not it's true or not is not really part of the myth I think that's kind of what i'm you know shooting at but we'll say in the belief system or at least in the oral tradition um and frankly in the mayan case written tradition which is kukulkan right uh kukulkan is the same thing as quetzalcoatl it's the same entity it's just a different name for the same dude and there's a little bit of variation within you know certain rituals or certain ideas and certain practices but Generally, we're talking about the same exact entity. Well, Quetzalcoatl was for the morning, but he was also related to the heavens because he had wings. He could fly, okay? But because he was a serpent and he could change into Xolotl, 
which had to do with the underworld and the earth, he could also go, you know, have influence here on the earth, but also in the underworld. He had access to the underworld. So he had access to all three places. Does that sound like anyone you might know? Um, now get this. This is where it gets interesting. I'm going to have to pull this up real quick because I find it, frankly, a little too compelling not to share with you guys. The Aztecs, unlike the um, Mayans, which I think the Mayans probably also did too, but the Aztecs especially um, were uh, very um, specific about um, their history, but they didn't have written history. Um, they didn't have written language history is a better way to say that. Um, so what they had is something called codexes, okay? And let's see, Cholula Photos, there we go. Oh, look, it's going to let me. Ha -ha. Let's see if it'll let me do what I want to do. No, no, it's not, is it? Okay, let's see. Let's see if it'll let me do something else. It's all good, I'll just edit this. Screenshot? Is that what I'm like? Yeah, here we go. That's what I want to see right there. Mm, okay. The codex. Yes, this is the codex. Okay, these guys right here are um, two. Is that pretty clear? Do you need me to get a little closer? It's pretty decent. If you can. Whoa. Oh, that's good. No, it was good when you got right it there? closer. Right. Yep. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's the jade frog. That's where it is. <laughs> huh. Huh. Um, so these dudes right here, this guy and this guy, are the two priests um, in uh, Cholula. Okay. So these guys were really the governing body. And um, as you can see, they don't like wearing clothes very much. But hey, there they are. <laughs> um, you know what? It's, I'm sure it's hot. It actually is a wonderful climate, <laughs> frankly. It's not cold or hot. It's like great. Um, but this so they're like, we don't here. need to pepper up much. Right. They're working on their tan. Right. I mean, they were much more tan and probably healthier than you and I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this guy right here is actually represent, re representative of Cholula. Now, I don't remember quite how old this is. Uh, Chichimeca, Tolteca. 1594. I'm, hope, I'm hoping it's actually older than that. Um, I thought I had read. I'm not going to remember off the top of my head. Anyway, the lore here is interesting because this just kind of looks weird, right? You're like, oh, okay, what is this? Well, this guy is supposed to be Cholula. This is supposed to be the pyramid. Okay. But then this guy right here is supposed to be a sacred spring. Yes, you heard me right. A sacred spring that runs under the pyramid of Cholula. Okay. Here we go with the rabbit hole. I came to this conclusion all by my lonesome. Nobody helped me. I was there on site when I was like, Oh, we've not been to the foundations of Cholula. Oh, no one can go to the foundations of Cholula. Oh, well, that changes our thing. Our thing. Why does oh. that change? Our thing? Because if we don't know what's at the foundations, it's very likely they are megalithic in nature. 
Why is this my supposition? Well, because most pyramids are megalithic, frankly, okay? Or they have at least some remnant of megalithicness. <laughs> you like that word? Um, megalithicality. Uh, <laughs> left over, right? There's megalithicness. Sort of <laughs> Let's go with but, but megalithicness. Makes, megalithicness. So what makes, what makes a site very... Um, what's the word, Shell? Um, iconic about being megalithic is that there is water. There is always freaking water there. And the moment right. that I saw this codex, even before I got to Mexico, I went, holy crap, there's water there. I was like, wow, that'd be interesting if it were megalithic. But I didn't, I didn't know that we hadn't been to the foundations before I went. And if I hadn't talked to this chick that was just randomly there and had been there before and who was a history buff, I think she studied history in college. Um, it's funny enough, I started talking to her in Spanish and she goes, and I go, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't know the area. I'm not from here. I'm not Mexican. I'm like, don't know if you noticed, look at my face. Um, and she goes, well, actually I'm not, Me I'm not from here either. I'm not Mexican citizen. I go, you're not. She goes, no, she goes, I'm, I'm from, uh, I think they're from Houston. She told me, and I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. I was like, well, how do you know all this history? She's like, well, I've been here before and I've also, you know, I'm, I, I'm a history buff. I, I, I studied history and I was like, really? Whole conversation in Spanish, by the way. You know, I wasn't, you know, <laughs> it was because you don't know, you know, you just assume people only speak Spanish. So you talk, talk to them in Spanish. And she goes, yeah, I'm just really interested in it. And, and then she started telling me and I said, well, yeah. So, okay, you got to go into the tunnels, right? She goes, yeah, we sure did six years ago when we came. Oh, very cool. And did you get to go, how far did you get, get to go down? Because I know that some of the, places are gated off right they're 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 you know restricted and she goes yeah you only got to go like one sub level down it's kind of cold and it, she's like you'd probably be uncomfortable because they're tiny and you're huge um <laughs> and she says um but um we can, i mean we we haven't been able to like we we couldn't go down to the bottom and i was like yeah that's a bummer man that'd be so cool you know i wish i could get to see it she's like yeah nobody knows what's down there and i go what do you mean and that's when she said, yeah, well, no one's been down there. And that's when the whole conversation ensued, that not even archaeologists have been down there because they're afraid that the structure itself will collapse on itself. But that also, I mean, that could be very well true. I mean, maybe that is true. But also simultaneously, I think they are, I think that it's a megalithic base. Let's just say that. I, you know, I they can't don't really want it to be discovered or uncovered. Right. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know that for sure. But the presence of water makes me highly suspicious of that. Very, very suspicious. Right. And the fact that they don't know what the bottom is. Like, come on. You know what I mean? It, Go ahead, it's, it's like the um, the Egyptian pyramids that, that they're like, you guys built those, right? And they're like, no, nope, well, they were here when we got here, but uh, we'll take credit. Sure. Um, and Shell mentioned something really interesting. See this guy right here? And Shell was like, that's a portal. And I'm like, that's, yeah, that's it's a portal. like a portal to me, like a thousand percent. But you know what this actually is, is a conch shell. And I didn't know this, but conch shells have some sort of association to the underworld for them. And I was like, hmm. well, maybe it's a portal key. <laughs> if it's not a portal, it might be a portal key. But so, you know what? There's, uh, was it 
Timothy Alberino, I think he was when he was on Blurry, um, and they were talking about the Biracocha, um, and the 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 conch in um, the underground tunnels in is it the Andes Mountains? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something about the lore. I mean, I've only heard the lore one time, so I don't know it well enough. I, I really, really, really want to look into that more because it seems like um, the Mesoamericans like brought Cortez in thinking he was either uh, Quetzalcoatl or, um, or the Viricocha. Yeah. And Veracocha, <laughs> um, as I would say, <laughs> hey, man. I wasn't trying to say it right. <laughs> My poor husband gets so tired of listening to me try. No, babe, listen like, like this, and I'm like, the way I'm hearing it, honey, is gets a codal. Saying that right? Huh? You know how to say it, though, right? Properly now? Yes. I do, because I have a cheat sheet. And I made get a coatl. Good job. <laughs> See, I made, I, made a, uh, I made a cheat sheet for Shell. I made a... Uh, he he, he did, and it helped. I still, <laughs> I still have to consciously think about it. It's one of those words that... It's like listening to people say Gebekli Tepe. They have the hardest time with that. It's like, yeah... Well, it's, just think of it this way. You can say Ketza, and then you can just, instead of saying cattle, because you could say Ketza cattle, but you could just put an O in there. Ketza coattle. There you go. <laughs> it really Wait. is. I see coat. I see C-O-A-T, I and I, I think in my happy little head saying. coat. Or yesterday, I realized that. I was like, oh, she's seeing the word coat. That's yep. What yep. Up. That's exactly. Um, and I'm throwing an L at the end. Coatle. Coatle. So... Yes, that is a large portion of Quetzalcoatl. But, but the the cool thing again in here, let me pull this guy back up. Ah, By the way, I just want you to know I was right about the date on that. Which one, dude? It is it is 16th century. That codex. Oh, okay. Well, and that makes it complicated, right? Because that is post Hispanic. Um, so that's more when it was found, not when it was made. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Because um, well, and I'm almost going to guarantee you that it was found by some. Um, uh, doesn't Francis. matter who it was found by. It was given oh, no. to, it it, you know. Because it would have been burned if it weren't a Franciscan priest. Like <laughs> they were the only, honestly. The only ones willing to. Uh, engage. Sam was actually really breaking this down for me. He's like, no, dude, he's like, I, he's like, how much you want to bet that there's some sort of Franciscan priest, this or that? And sure enough, it was, you know, oh, some sort of Franciscan God priest. for men who are smart enough to understand no. that historical documents are priceless. Yeah. And also, they, they, they were really trying to share the gospel. They weren't trying to force the gospel on people. Like, I read about how Cortez got, I never really realized how, how insane this dude was. He was like, he was off his rocker because he literally had no more money to fund his, to fund the, his, his uh, endeavor. And so he, 
He really <laughs> believed in those cities of gold, man. Oh, sure, absolutely, because they told him about it. But he, um, when he got on the boat, there was like there was an armament of men that were there to stop him from leaving, and he just like basically like kicked them off the the side of the the uh, the dock or killed them and like jumped on the boat and was like, "Screw you, I'm leaving anyway," and he did. Um, <laughs> yeah, crazy dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so anyway. I mean... Oh, sorry, Shell. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, being on a boat for a long amount of time just might do your head in. Yeah, well. Um, yeah, this is what I wanted to show you guys real quick here. Actually, let's uh, let's not do that. Let's do just a regular one, and then we'll add it. Okay. So the last thing I want to mention about this kind of uh, image here is that because Quetzalcoatl um, is a serpent, a plumed serpent, he can go down into the underworld. And we have talked about this on previous episodes. Water is a portal. Water is absolutely a portal. When I saw this and then I realized it was megalithic. And then I read that Quetzalcoatl could go under the earth. He could go on the earth and he could go above the earth. I went, holy cow. It's like, it's like watching this entity in I, Isaiah 14. Like, right. Just to wet your appetite, the whole Euphrates thing, uh huh, and the caverns, the cave systems that they're finding as the Euphrates dries up, <laughs> and the the um, there's there's a really prevalent belief that. That is where Tartarus is. That is where the angels that that sinned are held in chains of gloomy darkness, as the book of yep. Jude describes it, as uh, Peter describes it as well. So it's just um, this the Sumerian. Um, Oh gosh, old Sumerian lore. Sorry, I can't think of what uh, epic it is. It has to do with Inki and Eridu. Um, is it? It's is it it's Gilgamesh. It's not Gilgamesh. Um, although Gilgamesh features in it, it's still it's ancient Sumerian, like some of the oldest. Um, written stories that that we have found they're sumerian um the the lore of babel is that it's in i think it's uruk which is um in in the southernmost part of iraq which is really where iraq gets its name from uruk iraq um but the uh, Nimrod or uh, Marduk or uh, gosh, what are all the, I can't even think of all the the iterations of Nimrod right now. And I know we talked about this back in our in our uh, Babel and uh, Nimrod episodes. Yeah, God, but, God mortal or or immortal or whatever something like that. Right, but um. Also, they built the Tower of Babel, that ziggurat, over the abyss. 
Yes. Which also Correct. happened to be um, a river. <laughs> so, of course it was. So, so all those aspects just like keep coming up, and and it's crazy because you don't. I don't even like go. Oh, here's the list. Check it off. Check it off. Check it off. You know, it's like you're doing these things, and then you're like, oh my gosh, there's flowing water underneath it. Look at this codex shell, and then I'm like. Oh, but that's like All the Sumerian lore. lore. It's exactly the same. And and I mean it is. And I it's just it's everywhere. When when it is everywhere. Oh my Please. goodness gracious. You're not even trying to, you know, you're not trying to make the, the conspiracy. I'm not looking for connections, like, yo. Just, they just they There's, just jump out at you. You're just like, well, freaking a like what do i even do with this like right we, shelly and i were talking about this actually during the week and 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 uh shelly was like that's some that's like sumerian lore and i was like yeah it's it's like sumerian myth it's exactly what it is and uh and i i commented to shelly go it's it's it makes a lot of sense why so many secret societies want to cover this kind of stuff up because right. it's it's so obvious it is so obvious we are the only ones in history that are not privy to all this information we're the only ones that get dumbed down to like certain like a beast beast type animals because we don't know anything about this stuff Gosh, but they yeah. do well and it's because <laughs> it's like we have access to all of the information in theory Mm -hmm. that mankind has, you know, via the internet, yet we're the most ignorant we have been since the Dark Ages, since it, it's just, I don't know. It, it, yeah, I know, man. It's crazy. Um, By the way, to to your point about... Um, this guy. Secret societies hiding this stuff away. Mm -hmm. Did you know that Hitler, when he went into, uh, well, and and he probably started in Germany, um, he immediately shut down and took all of the. Um, archives everything in the um the freemason lodges i do know that i was I actually not know that and i and i've always been so interested yesterday. in in him and the lore and and today something came up and i was like oh that makes sense that's funny that you and both both you and i found that out yesterday that's kind of crazy it is um, well, and eventually, you know, our goal is to to get into Hitler and the occult <laughs> and and what he was trying to seek out. So, um, yeah, we actually do want to do a whole series on that. As a matter of oh fact, oh my gosh, because there's so much, and then um, that'll take us right back to Antarctica. It's it will indeed, man. Hold on, one so everybody Hold can one lose their mind all over again. It's crazy stuff. Um, oh, where is this stupid thing? I just had it, man. Sorry. I want to edit this out here in a little bit because it's obnoxious. I just really kind of want to leave you guys with some photos here, um, for you guys to, to be able to see, because these are really, really impactful kind of, you know, they just, just give you a good idea of what's going on. 
Um, the first show photo, I, well, there's not a whole lot of them. I'm going to add some of these in, but, um, and they might just be like a stretch of just images. So, um, but I just want to show you what these guys look like. Share screen. Is this the, yeah, that's the one I want. Okay. So this here is actually the ruins of the, the uh, pyramid itself. And you can see all these weird different layers. You, if you notice, there's all these different colors here. And that kind of really lends to, to kind of an understanding of just how, see these are different, just how, um, and that is too, how many different tribes were here and were constantly coming back to worship this God over and over and over and over. Um, it's, it's, it's very fascinating. Um, it's kind of mind boggling as a matter of fact. Um, Rick, at the top of the page in the center, is that where the church is up there? Right here. Yep. This is this is so the, so all of that that from what we're seeing, and this has got to be like the middle of the complex. It looks like all the way up to that peak. Yeah. That's all pyramid. I'll find a good photo for you guys here and, and put it up there. Um, but I also wanted to show you guys this on the way home, which we looked at, which is really cool. Um. Let's get this guy off stage. Ba -ba Add this other guy. Ba -ba Check this out. This is just beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. So this right here is Popocatépetl, and if you notice, I don't know if you can see it, but that's this is this is this is interesting because when we're in Mexico City, we see the other side of this volcano. This is one of one of the one of the few well, not few. This is one of the volcanoes in Mexico City, and then over. Somewhere over here, I can't remember exactly where. There's another volcano called Iztaccíhuatl, and um, those those both are like basically uh, part of lore in the Romeo Juliet, basically Aztec version of that. Um, just wanted to show you guys those pictures. They're really beautiful. They are. I I felt like I was in Europe watching this stuff. I was like, this is. I was just. Well, and wasn't Cholula um, supposed to mirror? It, one of the volcanoes close by is it that one um i don't know if it was supposed to or not but <coughs> it likely um it likely is a candidate there is a another another one in fact that um uh is is in Tlaxcala, and there's some really cool stuff about that there um it was a well. I mean, I can share that real quick. Um, but it was a. I obviously have to get a celebration of four different mountains. Among those were, were the two volcanoes that you just showed you. One was called uh, uh, well, they call it La Malinche now, but it was uh, La Scala, which I think was called Matlacuetl. Matlacuetl. Say that five times fast. Um, I can't say it one time. And um, there's a bunch of other stuff, yeah, bunch of other stuff regarding that. But yes, they were all made to to mirror uh, volcanoes, and they were sacred places. We've talked about this, guys. We've talked about this stuff. These mountains were sacred places to them, and actually, that one, La Malinche, the one that's there in Tlaxcala, which I won't get bore you guys with tons and tons of history. If you're behind the paywall, I will. Um, but if you're not, basically, uh, just know that that mountain is is sacred and. I heard some crazy stories like 
the metal pastor that we, that we're gonna that we had this interview with that I got to have this interview with, he told me that he had read one time that a group of the Las Caltecas, which are we'll just call them rivals and kind of instigated a lot of the goings on and a lot of the destruction of Cholula and uh, I mean they were instrumental in, in handing Cortez Cholula basically. Um, and they are very hated <laughs> as a result because, you know, that kind of crumbled the empire. <clears throat> well, they have a sacred mountain there. And he told me of a story where they basically went up that mountain praying to God. God. Not not Tlaloc, not uh, Quetzalcoatl, not any of these, you know, other gods. Like, apparently they were going up praying to this god and it was a very it was a very normal thing for them to go up <clears throat> and do like a ritual um prayer for fertility and things like that and so this was a, re- a regular thing but this was a this is a one-off this is a one-off that they would go and they would it's it's basically like something like praying to the unknown god something like that um very cool very very interesting stuff there's just sacred stuff all over the place man and we don't we just don't appreciate it and we just oh, don't yeah. think about it. And we don't realize how it. important it is. Um, we live in this modern, you know, nine to five. Um, my computer's broken. I need to get it fixed so that I don't, you know, lose contact with the world. But that's geez, <laughs> it's, <just> not, <clears throat> it's not where it's at. Um, guys, on continuation, I think I'm actually, you know, I'm good here. This is this is really what I wanted to cover for you guys. Oh, I, I do. That's right. I do want to show these real quick. These are really cool. Um, and this is super important. We had talked about, um, this is my last thing that I want to cover. If Shell wants to cover anything else, that's fine. But then we're just going to go behind the paywall after this. Um, I'm impressed. We're getting through this very fast. And that's awesome. I'm cutting right. out a crap ton of stuff. But... Um, <laughs> That's well, for there's Google and people can Google's fly down Google's. to Mexico City if they want. Yes. So check this out. This what I'm about to show you guys. Um, and let me kind of preface it first. There is a uh, like I said that there are two. There were two priests that were mainly the ones that, um, uh, you know, mediated things in Cholula. OK. Interestingly enough, in what has been uncovered, there are what they call altars there and i'm going to show you those right now check it out i don't know if you guys can hear that in the background i'll play it again that is people clapping in the middle of this square between all these altars which i'll show you the rest of in a moment and as you can hear them um they're clapping and there's this weird acoustic thing going on it almost sounds like a duck reverberation yeah Okay, that's one. I think that's the one to the west or to the east. I can't remember which side it's on. Check this one out. I'll play it one more time. You probably hear that. It's all the uh, it's all the resonance there. And if you notice, if you look at these, uh, what we're looking at, guys, are basic. They basically look like stone i mean they're stone slabs but they they basically look like um gravestones giant gravestones with uh, stones yeah um <clears throat> with a base and on these bases there are some ornate um drawings um interestingly enough these altars look like portal doors they really do 
um, <clears throat> which I had not thought of until just now, actually. But yeah. all those markings that you see on here, they're very kind of wavy and everything. These were all intended to represent Getzakwatl. Okay. There's that one in the middle again. And then we get to the last one. This guy right here. This one has what we're looking at is there's basically one in front. So you can imagine it. It's not these directions, but it's basically north, west, and east is what it looks like. So it's one in front of you, one to the left of you, one to the right of you. And behind them, actually, which is not here, um, you know, I might put some pictures up, is is a, um, a sacrificial area um, in which they actually found a woman who had cranial adjustments. So keep that in mind, guys. Um, and her jaw removed. Um, which the jaw had some very sp specific spiritual um, significance, um, which I'm not going to get into here. It's not what we're really talking about today. Um, but uh, yeah, sure enough, you can actually see Quetzalcoatl on this third um, pyramid, uh, sorry, third altar, which is to the left of the other two. And there's no headstone to it, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. Well, these are not altars. These are thrones. And when I realized reading back through the book I'd read through, because I read it and then we went to the site and then I read it again just to kind of brush up. And I went, oh, these are not altars. These are thrones. Holy cow. Um, that makes me question. And, and granted, I'm assuming that this, this one also did have a headstone. I don't know that. Um, but I, I believe that it was destroyed like by the... Lascantecas or the Chichimecas. I can't remember who destroyed it, but somebody came in and destroyed the headstone. What what looks Does like the headstone. base look the same? Because to me that no, looks much does. bigger and like a big old like table. I could see this being an altar, and the other one really yes, it really I does know. look like plinth. I know. I mean, and if you yeah, look at the one this one here that looks kind of like a pointed headstone. If you mm -hmm. notice, kind of at the base of it, to the from what we're looking at from the left and kind of going downward all the way through it it clearly was broken so this thing was knocked over and they they reconstructed it so you could look at it um and you can see the same thing here this one was torn down as well can't you just see a big statue oh sure right there like sure that's what it seems like to me like i look at it and or a throne for that matter um and, a and throne looked, where somebody stands, though, it looks, oh, well, maybe not. I was going to say it looks very short to sit upon, but <laughs> the other one doesn't look short. That one just did, but it could just be the um, the view. Yeah, it might be. Um, and then, again, this one that's clearly has images of Quetzalcoatl. It's not just, you know, ornate. It's clearly like serpent heads. You can see them on can there. Can you zoom that one in, Rick? Because um, you zoomed it for me the other day when we were looking. And like when it zooms in, you really see the serpent. Serpents. Um, here, let's see if I log in right here. Full screen. No. Hold on. Let's try and do that real quick. What's this labeled? I gotta find it. Hang on. <laughs> it's okay. That's the wonder of editing. Yay. Right. I've got to edit so many things anyway. No, that's not what I'm looking for. Hang on. Oh, here we go. Okay, here it is. All right, cool. So let's just add that from the stage here. Here, I'm gonna remove this guy. Um, 
and then do this. Share screen. That's what we want right there. Okay. Is that any bigger? Nope. It's the same size. Okay, hang on. It is. Um, let's see if it'll let me get bigger. Doggone it. Okay, hang on. Playback speed, file, view. Here we go. Zoom in. There we go. Better. That's imperfect. You can see so clearly. See? That's very clearly. At quiet. least on a computer. If somebody's watching us on their phone, they may not see it that way. <laughs> I can zoom in a little more. Let's see. Let's see. Get a good look at it. Zoom in just a bit more. Yeah. It's grainy, well, but you can see it at least. You can, you can like really, really see it. You can see that there are two, two snake heads facing away from one another. Yeah. Yeah. They sure are right in the center. Um, yeah. and, and what I wanted to drive home about this, um, I'll probably include some more footage of this, you know, uh, where you guys can listen to the, the noise that, that was there. Cause it was really, it's, it's very weird. It's, it's a very bizarre sound. Um, but we have talked about, you know, well, actually we have not talked about this, but we've been meaning to talk about the resonance that's associated with, with sites Gosh, like this. Right. Um, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge component. And I kept asking myself, I was like, where is that other headstone? That other headstone has to, I mean, I can't imagine what it sounds like and what happened when all three of those were there. If there was one, you know, I don't know. Um, but it sure seems like there was one. Right. So, yeah, man. Um, that's it for me, Joe. We can cut it loose. Um, oh, by the way, just so you guys know, if you're interested and you want to follow after this, we will be talking about the connection between Quetzalcoatl and Mormonism. Yes. The LDS Church. You heard me right. Um, so if you want to check that out um, and uh, some other you know interesting data about the site and everything, stick around. And we will we will be sharing that with you guys if you want to go behind the paywall. Shell, anything else you wanted to add? No, I have nothing, nothing else for this part. Cool. Um, well, we want to bless you guys. I'm going to let Shell do that because I have talked a crap ton. Um, <laughs> and then we'll let you guys lose. Absolutely. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And the Lord give you peace. Shalom, shalom. Amen. Bless you guys. God bless you guys. And as always, Maranatha. Maranatha. Thank you for watching this episode of The Christian Theological Dark Web. For questions or comments, please email us at thechristiantheologicaldarkweb at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us, please look for the Patreon link in the description. This has been another production of CTDW Studios. Thank you, and God bless.